Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello, I'm Andrew Doyle and welcome to Headliners. Joining me tonight are two of the UK's finest comedians and I'm proud to announce two of my closest friends. Sorry, I meant closeted friends. It's Leo Curse and Nick Dixon. Let's take a look at tomorrow's front pages first. We start with the Daily Mail. What kind of monster kills an 87-year-old on a scooter? This is obviously the ongoing manhunt for the person who killed the 87-year-old grandfather, Thomas O'Halloran. Horrific crime there. On to the front cover of The Telegraph. Britain has worst inflation in the G7. The Guardian leads with a cost-of-living crisis to trap 45 million in fuel poverty. The Financial Times runs with soaring inflation rises above 10% for the first time in 40 years. And we're going to be covering that just in a moment. The Daily Mirror has Ronaldo police caution. This is the shocking story. Cristiano Ronaldo is accused of smashing an autistic boy's phone. The front cover of The Times has Generation COVID faces university rejection, the ongoing legacy of the problems we've had since the pandemic there. And the Daily Express runs with shock rates surge to fight bills crisis. And the star, work harder, says wannabe PM, entitled to 13 weeks holiday. The star exposing a little bit of hypocrisy there from Liz Truss. And those are your front covers. And we're going to begin with Thursday's Telegraph and inflation. Nick, your favourite topic. Love it. Britain suffers worst inflation in G7 as price surge hits 40-year highs. So it's saying the UK is stung by a combination of labour shortage, surging energy bills and falling pound. And um, Stuart Rose, the uh, former boss of Marks and & Spencer and Conservative peer, has hit out and said, no one's in charge. And um, he's saying that the Prime Minister's on shore leave and nobody's in charge. Though he is backing Rishi, I should point out. So perhaps it's something to do with uh, having a go at Liz Truss. But it, it's kind of the same criticism as the um, cost of living crisis. There are so many separate crises. You can sort of pick which one the government is ignoring. Yeah. So are they ignoring cost of living or are they ignoring inflation? We keep hearing this about, you know, he's saying on shore leave, the phrase commonly used as a zombie government because no one seems yeah. to be at the helm. It's not just Boris Johnson being away. It's almost that he's checked out, really. Yeah. Uh, but inflation, yeah, I mean, this is, it's a, you know, this is apparently the worst since 1982. And it's going to peak at 13%, apparently, right. in October, uh, which is, I mean, that's, that's huge. If you'd said that a few years ago, people would have said, you're, you're insane. That's, that's an insane number. We were, you know, for, for a good couple of decades, we were just hovering around, you know, 2%. Yeah. The conspiracy theorists were right. <laughs> yeah, in this case. But is this just about the cost of, uh, cost of living crisis, the energy bills, the war in Ukraine? I mean, this, you know, this is uh, the biggest contribution to the jump in inflation has been the rising prices of food and drinks. So we can't really just put this down to energy, can we? Well, yeah, and also it's quantitative easing. I mean, course, so it's, it's eroding. Money. Yeah, so printing <laughs> money, every every pound that's printed devalues the, the value of the pounds in existence by yes. exactly one pound. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, quantitative easing, we've been doing that for, it seemed like, you know, just a benign thing to do that didn't have any ramifications. Although, although we'd seen it done in Weimar, Germany. We'd yes. seen it done in Zimbabwe, and it, it didn't work out too well there. And I think it's, it's, like the, it's like the ring in Lord of the Rings. They get addicted to using it, 
and it, it turns it turns them put it back on the gold standard. Yeah, and obviously yeah. it's exacerbated by lockdowns, right? Because you're not producing anything, but they were still printing all that furlough money. Carry on. So, no, just explain to me, Leo, because you know a lot more about the economy than me. Um, why is it that, given that, given throughout history, we know that quantitative easing doesn't work? Yeah. It doesn't help, and yet they're still doing it. Well, there are, there are uh, issues that were keeping inflation down. So right. uh, there's a there's a downward pressure on wages because we had mass immigration into the UK. Uh, so that meant basically an un unlimited supply of, of cheap labour for, for businesses, uh, which obviously, you know, politicians, politicians love that. You know, they, they don't see the country as a country. They see it as an economy. The, the country is there to serve the economy rather than the economy there to, to serve the country. Uh, but also we had, uh, you know, the globalisation, the opening up of cheap trade with, uh, with China. So China was, was making all our widgets and uh, making them for far cheaper than we'd be able to make. And now, obviously, you know, a lot of these developing countries have developed and have caught up. So now the stuff that's coming from, from India, from China, isn't as cheap as it used to be. And also it's not really coming. I and mean, there's huge supply chain issues and energy yes. costs a huge amount. So well, maybe, you know, will we learn the lesson now, Nick? Do you think, you know, that our energy supplies clearly aren't robust enough to withstand a war? Right in in a yeah. foreign country, it just isn't. So we should put more things in place, right? Seems like we are finally doing that. We've been forced to on things like fracking. The only good thing is we're less dependent than Europe, aren't we? Which is yeah. not saying that much, but we're not as screwed as Germany, basically. But yeah, you're right about inflation. I'm no expert, but when the head of the Bank of England said, well, "I'm helpless to do anything about it," that seemed like <laughs> alarm <laughs> yeah. bells to me. Yeah, of all the people <laughs> who should be able to do something about yeah, it, it's the head job. of the Bank of England. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is most definitely a worry. Uh, we're going to go to Thursday's Times now. Things got a bit heated outside a Conservative hustings last night. Leo, what's this? Yes, this is in Scotland. So uh, BBC journalist James Cook was labelled a scumbag and a traitor. When they say labelled, they were screaming, you know, scumbag yeah. and traitor uh, by uh, Scottish nationalist activists who were demonstrating outside the Conservative leadership hustings in Perth. Uh, in Scotland last night. So the St Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister, um, tweeted that hurling abuse at journalists is never acceptable. Um, you know, their, their job is vital to our democracy. But, uh, you know, these are the vicious xenophobic attitudes and anti, you know, BBC anti-English attitudes that she's fostered in her 14 years. But you must accept that the people doing the screaming are the ones responsible for the screaming, right? Or do you think it is down to no, her influence? I think a culture comes comes from the top. I mean, if this was uh, if this was football fans, it's not that the club would be completely exonerated of any involvement in in this. And it, it's the same. These are Scottish nationalists, uh, yes. which you know, obviously, you in know, the way that Trump is responsible for the storming of the capital. Oh, he's, he's snookered you with a classic Doyle. But we're not talking <laughs> about we're not talking about Trump. This is a totally different thing. Fine. And also, storm of the capital, bit of a good idea. But no, like, <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, obviously, you know, Trump Trump does also bear a bit of responsibility. I, I take your point. Politicians, well. I, I mean, I would say in that case, he doesn't bear the responsibility, but he did raise the temperature. Yeah. And politicians can raise the temperature, and that is irresponsible. Yeah, the culture starts at the top. Yeah. What do you think, Nick? Well, it was a tough one for me. Scottish nationalists versus the BBC. I'm like, it's like <laughs> Liverpool versus Man City. I'm like, I hate them both. No, I don't hate the Scottish nationalists. Only joking. It's and like, BBC. Joking it's like trans rights uh, activists versus religious fundamentalists. It's, it's a tough one. Um, obviously, you shouldn't shout scum at people. You shouldn't call the BBC scum. It's their job to call us scum. Everyone knows that, <laughs> am I right? Um, so, but obviously, yes, it was a it was an appalling thing to do. And although I do agree with Leo, you, one assumes that, that Sturgeon has 
contributed to this over time. But is there, is I don't it... remember in the past, I don't remember growing up. That no, that's like what I was going to ask. I mean, are we now in that culture? You know, we, we've seen this in Westminster. We've seen people gathering around politicians, shouting all kinds of abuse, and they're getting very scared now, and that's why they call for extra measures, so yeah. that we kind of even have protests well, around yeah, Parliament. And we've had stabbings. I mean, David Amos, you know, it's sure. not so long ago, he was, he was killed uh, by, um, by, you know, a member of the public. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's going to reduce the quality of politicians we get. It doesn't look like an attractive... Uh, career to go into. The only thing you really got was uh, was you know a, a bit of um, status, and now you're not you're not even getting that. And right now we need better politicians because they're not fixing the problems. Okay, on to Thursday's Independent now and. Labour's financial stats looking a little bit shaky, Nick. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Yeah, Labour loses nearly 100,000 members and makes £5 million loss in 2021. Wow. So a lot, comes, I know, a lot of it comes from the membership fees, which fell from £19.3 million to £16.2 million. And, um, I mean, that was not the cost of membership, which they, they did that thing, didn't they, when they had a, like a £2 membership, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And what seems to have happened is a lot of those people have, I'm guessing, disappeared because they don't really like Starmer. And basically what happens with Labour is the better they do in the country, the worse they do amongst their base because Starmer yeah. is doing OK in the country. Well, uh, well, what do you think, though? I mean, is this to do with Starmer's leadership? Is this to do with the alienation of the left of the party? Is this something yeah. that... But they're the same thing, really, aren't they? I mean... Uh, well, no, Starmer's leadership, he, he represents the right of the party more. No, but you said it was the alienation of the left oh, of the right. party. Yeah. So I'm saying they, they don't like his leadership, he's alienated. And so, they, and so, and so the members leave. Who, yeah. Especially the more far-left members who just are the nutters that paid two quid or whatever. So, and well, they also, did that just to elect Corbyn, right? Yeah, they're mm. also in danger of losing the unions. That's where they want to really be worried. Uh, you know, some of the biggest unions saying that their financial support is under review. I just want to quickly add, the Conservatives had a... £319,000 surplus in 2021 and their membership fees remain broadly stable. So, yeah, their, their finances are in trouble. And yet the polls are suggesting that Labour are continually ahead at the moment. Well, I'm, I'm surprised Labour haven't announced a windfall tax on the Tory party since they're still <laughs> doing well, announcing a surplus. That's certainly, oh, we need socialism. Everybody's got to be equal. Man, everybody's got, socialism, everybody's got to be equally poor. What do you think about, uh, you know, the fact that since Starmer has sort of failed to support strikers, yeah. to support the workers... And, of course, it is called the Labour Party. Yeah. Do you think this is responsible partly for what's going on here? Yeah, I'm surprised he's, he's not supported uh, striking workers because, you know, even, even as a, as a hard-nosed conservative capitalist, you know, I think, I think a lot of the strikers have got a point. And uh, it'd yeah. be nice to have a Labour Party that stands for something, just something. Just, you know, right. just have a go at saying what a woman is. Just, you know, support somebody <laughs> somewhere. Uh, instead, instead, they're not. And, uh, yeah, they're not going to get many businesses coming in and offering uh, donations like the Tory like party does. It doesn't he, Keir Starmer? Like, even when it came to the woke politics, you know, he took the knee, but sort of reluctantly, and he yeah. sort of dips his toes in and out of this stuff. He doesn't really know where he stands on anything. No, but, but this everybody. highlights the problem, doesn't it? That, like I said, the more he moves towards sort of the centre, more people will vote for him, but he'll alienate Labour Party. It's an impossible position for him, really. Yeah. It is. Thursday's Times once more. Concorde is back. This is yeah. amazing. Yeah, so this is uh, the revival of supersonic passenger travel. So d d Concorde, um, uh, as we know, there was a terrible accident, accident with Concorde. When was that? 2003, was it? Something yeah, like nearly that? two decades ago, apparently. Yeah. Um, but they've, uh, and, and since then, Concorde, you know, hasn't, hasn't flown. Um, but there's a new passenger uh, airline. So America Airlines is putting an order for 60 aircraft. That's yes. a lot of aircraft, capable of flying at 1.7 times the speed of sound. So this seats 65 to 88 passengers, which sounds roughly the same size as, as Concorde. It was quite a small, it was. Uh, small plane. And uh, they, it's already so advanced that they, they showed off designs at last month's Farnborough Air Show. So this, 
this could mean you can fly, because I mean, the Concorde could cross the channel in like I mean, a few hours. I mean, it was an amazing machine. My, my understanding, I mean, according to this article, it, it points out, actually, the, the catastrophe was in year, the year 2000, 113 yeah. people died, and then it was discontinued in 2003. Right. But my understanding was that it wasn't actually the tragedy. That was just the stimulus, but it wasn't really that. It was that it wasn't making sufficient money. That was my understanding of it. Yeah. So yeah, is, I mean, is Concorde now commercially viable? Is this something? Well, they've obviously found some new way to it because it's a startup, isn't it? This boom startup in, in Denver. And they've obviously found some new way. The exciting thing for me is it's going to bring back three hour transatlantic flights between London and New York, although. Klaus Schwab won't let us travel anyway, but, you know, if, <laughs> yeah. if he did... But you're always I, I don't over travel. there, aren't you? I don't, well, no, I don't go anywhere, so I, since <laughs> yeah. they, so I, I'm excited for other people. But yeah, since great. they brought in all the COVID passports, I was like, I'm just never going to leave the country. At least Emma Thompson and Greta Thunberg will be able to travel across the Atlantic yeah. in three hours. That's They'll be right there, bang yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I fly private these days, anyway. Now, we're going to go over to the States now with Thursday's Guardian. I can, can see Nick is beginning to froth at the mouth with this one. <laughs> Why don't you talk us through it? No, I'm going to make a very objective analysis. So, <laughs> Liz Cheney considers run for president after Republican primary defeats. That's a lovely Guardian spin. On someone getting absolutely smoked, which she did, she yeah. lost um, to uh, Harriet Hageman, who was backed by Trump. It was quite a big deal because, obviously, Cheney, a huge name in American politics, following yeah, so Dick she, Cheney. Is she the daughter of Dick Cheney? Isn't she, I thought she was his wife, isn't oh. she? Blimey, I, I need to check, check that. Dorothy. Yeah, I should check that as well. Oh, um, I, well, anyway, she's definitely related to Cheney. <laughs> she's got the same name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yep. put us out there on it. Um, we'll edit that out of a live show. So um, <laughs> the point is, he, she's lost, and Trump gave his endorsement to the other candidates. So it shows that the party is with Trump and not with the rhinos slash neocons. And crucially, only two out of ten of the House GOPs who voted to impeach Trump got through. So four didn't run, four were defeated. And, um, and only two are actually going to get through. Because if you... And Trump calls it a referendum on the unselects. He calls it the unselect committee. If you wanted to impeach Trump about Jan 6, that you're going to lose is, is the, is the uh, motto and, or the conclusion. And uh, she compared herself to Abraham Lincoln absurdly in this speech. And Ben Shapiro pointed out a, a, an important thing. He said, um, he said, winning would have simply required her not to act as a front person for a Democratic committee dedicated to lumping together all Republicans and conservatives with January 6 rioters and suggesting that anyone considering voting Trump in 2024 is an incipient fascist. And that's the point. There were people like Yunkin, there were people like Crenshaw, whereas what they're trying to say on the Cheney side is, you're all fascist and evil Trump people. And actually, that's not the case. So she, she's too much of well, a Democrat. Not only is it not the case, it's never a vote winner. How can we not have learned this from the basket of deplorables? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how they don't know. And some of this, I mean, you talk about the Abraham Lincoln comparison, but yep. in the speech here, she, I mean, her spokesperson said, oh, yes, we're, Liz is going to be launching an organisation to educate the American people about the ongoing threat. To educate them. Right. The patronising rhetoric like this, no one's going to think, oh, great, I'll vote for that person then. How's that going to work? Yeah, she just comes across as a sort of proto-Hillary type. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, she... I, I don't think it's the huge victory for Trump um, that, that you're, you're suggesting it was. Um, yeah, yeah, like, uh, I think she would... I mean, I know what, what she's saying. You might say it's, uh, it's extreme or, you know, she's, uh, she's, she's alienating people, yeah. but she's kind of got a point as well. You know, there's a lot, a lot of people in the Republican Party, even though they're scared to put, you know, go out on a limb and actually say it, but they don't like what Trump's done to the Republican Party. They like the rule of law, they like the democratic process, and they don't like this uh, weird cult of personality and patriotism and populism. Classic woke point from Leo. I mean... No, is, I'm, I'm a pragmatist. I'm a no, realist. We, you, must, we, you must concede there are those people within the party. There yes, are those never-Trumpers. But there then are those you can back DeSantis, because DeSantis is a kind of more sensible Trump. Yeah. You don't have to go Cheney, which is too far. Cheney's, it's basically, you may as well be a Democrat. And that's what people hate. That's what Shapiro is saying. 
He's yes. saying that you don't. It's not a choice between Trump or, or you know you, but, you think the election was rigged or you're on the, or you're in, you know with Cheney. But the, I think it's healthy for parties to have. And she she voted. Uh, she backed Trump's position 93 percent of the time. So it's not like she's some wild Corbynist you know firebrand voting against the the central party. She's been very against him, though, hasn't she? She's spoken out against him about this Jan 6 stuff. But in a culture where he demands loyalty at all yeah. costs, you know, I mean, this isn't healthy either. Well, well, yeah, that's well, not... That, so that's not and like, the Democrats have got Tulsi Gabbard, who comes across as a Republican. I think it's healthy yeah, for parties like to have a bit either. of... Well, Trump just uh, said about her on True Social, Liz Cheney is a fool who played right into the hands of those who would uh, destroy our country. Now she can finally disappear into the depths of political oblivion, but I'm sure she'll be much happier than she is right now. <laughs> so he was quite moderate on it. Yeah, yeah. He, well, he hasn't lost it, yeah. has he? <laughs> Bring him back to Twitter, that's what I, I, do, miss his, I do miss his comments. Oh, I miss his tweets, yeah. they were hilarious. Anyway, this one from Thursday's Guardian. At arguably Salford's finest band. This is Joy Division, Leo. Yeah, so Joy Division, so they were the sort of precursor to, to New Order before the, um, the frontman Ian Curtis killed himself. Uh, so a mural of Ian Curtis, who was our lead singer, uh, on Port Street in Manchester has been painted over uh, with an advert for uh, a local rapper called H. Uh, Wasn't uh, he in Steps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a new this, H. Oh, it's a new H. Okay. They, yeah. can't even, they, they can't even, like, they're recycling the same letters now. <laughs> so original. This is written like A-I-T-C-H. Oh, yeah. I see, okay. So right now. moved the... to I. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, but um, he's, it's prompting an outcry that the rapper has promised to restore Was it an uh, accident, the original painting. Well, so he says it's come to light that the iconic Ian Curtis mural in Port Street has been painted over with my album artwork. This is the first time I've heard of this. Uh, so I guess he wasn't down there saying, yeah, put it, put it over that guy's no, face. No, I'm sure, I'm sure. And uh, so me and my team are getting this fixed pronto. No way on earth would I want to disrespect a local hero like this. But, I mean, how do you bring that back? I mean, I know they can, they can restore... They can recreate it, I they guess. can re restore, you know, uh, paintings by carefully, you know, medieval paintings and yeah. stuff. But look, this isn't a Giotto fresco or anything <laughs> like that. It's, it's, it's just a basic painting they can recreate. Oh, Are really? They, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, am I being a terrible snob? I think you're being a terrible, terrible That's snob. That's why I mean, I'm here. Can you do that with a Banksy? Just like, you know, oh, oh we can... Banksy? You could just, I could do a Banksy. <laughs> <laughs> Such a philistine comment. <laughs> I actually also agree. Um, yeah, no, obviously a legend, uh, legendary band as well, and they should never paint it over, but he's done the only thing he could do. He said completely, oh, sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to. <laughs> it would make me worse if Leo had painted his tour dates on it or something. It would be he's bad. already so hated already. The trouble is, it's his face on it. So it looks like he's Tricky, responsible, yeah. even though he probably didn't know about yeah. it, did he? Fair I, mean, I thought this was just a push for diversity. You know, too many pale, stale males. Welcome back to Headliners with me, Andrew Doyle. Sitting so close I can almost smell him, it's Leo Kurse. And sitting far enough away I cannot smell him, more's the pity, it's Nick Dixon. Because you're very fragrant, Nick. I smell great. All you time. smell great, actually. Thank you. A bit of lavender. Felt like lavender to me. Anyway, this one is from <coughs> Thursday's Telegraph. It's about our old friend Elon Musk. What's going on here, Nick? Elon Musk says he was joking about buying Manchester United from the Glazers, which is very sad for United fans like me. Uh, even though I knew he was joking, if enough of us like it, we might be able to get him to, to buy the club. Now, I'm going to explain why you should be interested in this, even if you don't care about football or hate Man United. I mean, firstly, a football club is an important thing. It's, conservatives should, be, should no. like football clubs because Michael Oakeshott would call it a, a civil association. It's something that it comes up from the community just because it's a good in itself. Now, when they become more successful, they become more like what he would call enterprise associations, meaning a top-down, goal-focused organisation. The Glazers are screwing up on both of those because they don't care at all about the community, but they don't even care about winning. And what ha happened is, in 2005, the Glazers bought the club with a leveraged buyout, which now apparently is illegal. And what they've done is take a huge amount of money out of the club. A Twitter thread the other day said it was around 1.6 billion. Part of its dividends, directors' fees, various things. 
now it's a question of, is Ledette the big problem that they've accrued and, and attacked onto the club? Or is it the share price which is now lowered because they've destroyed the club? What's happened is, over time, through financial mismanagement, through mismanagement of recruitment and the club in general, getting the wrong managers, getting the wrong players, the wrong CEOs, etc., they've destroyed the club to the point where now United was so bad in the second game of the season, we lost 4-0 to Brentford with four goals in 35 minutes. We were even thinking, could we actually get relegated? And it's so bad that many United fans are saying we'd even prefer to get relegated and actually lose the Glazers if that's what it takes. So Glazers out, we want Musk in, and that's the story. But I believe that Musk was... So he tweeted it. He tweeted saying, I'm buying Man yeah, United. Yeah, sorry about that. And then he said, and he said you're welcome. But he was, it was a joke, like when he said he was going to buy Coca-Cola and put the cocaine back in. It's just yeah. one of his games. <laughs> yeah, but the thing about it is, is, you know, when he tweets something like that, the problem is not only that he could buy them, but it's the sort of thing he would do. Exactly. So, you know, it's as a joke. Or he'd get he into should... a long negotiation with it and then it would fall apart. He should, fall apart. He should buy Manchester United and put the cocaine back in. That would be more I think it's fun. already there. Like footballing <laughs> in the 90s. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Musk is sort of, he, he does a lot of this and the sort of the, um, obviously he, he said he would buy Twitter and then he backed out of that at a much later stage than this Manchester United yeah. uh, supposed deal. But I mean, he's in a tricky situation at the moment. So Tesla's on kind of shaky ground. The share price has had some wobbles over the time because it's, it's not really a share price built on value. It's a share price uh, built on uh, the cult of Elon Musk, yeah. the fact that he can change the, the future and he's the world's, world's greatest engineer. And also he's linked to crypto as well. He's, he's right. um, you know, pumped a lot of crypto and crypto is tanking at the moment. But has Nick made you excited about the capitalistic properties of football? Well, it's interesting they came in and did that sort of asset stripping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, and that was a big problem. But some, there was an article in The Athletic yesterday saying actually the debt is no longer a massive problem because... The interest rates used to be really high on their loans. Now they're not, and they can pay them off. But, but surely the, but then the share price has tanked through, to like $3 or something. Yeah. And, it's, and in general, the decline, people are starting to notice the stadium is falling apart. This is Man United. We dominated in the 90s and 2000s. The last time we were relegated was 1974. Everyone was shocked then. No one thought it could ever happen again. But the club is in such a mess. They're just, everyone knows the Glazers are parasites, and they make millions of people miserable every day, and they have to sell. <laughs> the problem is, who's going to buy? We want this guy, Jim Ratcliffe, to buy, but he's not that bothered. Michael Knighton's trying to raise the money, but he can't. So who's actually going to buy it? This is why this Musk thing was exciting, because he could actually do it. Can't the fans do it? Have a whip around? And yeah, well, people have actually seriously suggested that, that the fans can in some way do it, but it's not really a serious Crowdfund it. Yeah. OK, well, um, on to Thursday's Times now, and a mutiny at the RAF. <laughs> oh, my God, this story. So the head of RAF recruitment has resigned following unease in the service about too great a focus on hitting impossible diversity targets. So this, this is an officer described by friends as a woman of enormous integrity. She quit amid concerns that white men were losing out on jobs because recruiters favoured women and ethnic minorities. Because basically all corporations, all organisations in the, in the UK now are systemically racist against white people. There's a, this huge drive for diversity. I mean, the, the targets they've got in the RAF, uh, they want uh, female recruits, they want 30% female by 2030 and uh, ethnic minorities to reach 20% of uh, all but, Air Force but recruits. Why? When why? you're talking about... Well, no, but when you're talking about <laughs> yeah, people no. flying, uh, you know, complicated aircraft, yeah. you want the best people for the job. I no, don't care no, what colour they are, what sex they are. You need a one-legged Ghanaian lesbian. And if you don't have a one-legged Ghanaian lesbian, the plane good, won't go as well. I, mean, I, know, I know you're talking about it and she's good, but, yeah, <laughs> it's... Um, look... What we've learned is that institutional racism is real. This is, this is what this is. No, no one wants to call it that. For some reason, it's OK to do this to white people. I've never understood why. The RAF tweeted the other day, uh, the RAF's doing everything it can to increase their recruiting intake from underrepresented groups. 
I say why, like you, they're obsessed with equity and equality of outcome rather than opportunity. Yeah. And they're so into it that they don't see that they automatically assume it's a good thing. The question is why? You can have different people go into different areas of life. We don't all have, it's an 87% white country or whatever it is. And yet every institution, every corporation and company has, an institution in general has to be di totally diverse. I know they're not big on logic, these people, but the numbers don't add up. No, but it's it, not possible. Here's the thing. If there is evidence uh, of a, a racist system or racism within an institution, I would support quotas to there redress is. that, right? But there isn't evidence of racism within the RAF. There is now. Well, well, there is now, yeah. This, this, is, <laughs> well, look, yeah, this is evidence. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah but can I, just, can I add a little thing that a friend told me in another branch of the armed forces that, that he did some work in? And he, he apparently they were saying things like, oh, the universities are way ahead of us in this stuff. And they were saying that the names of the training rooms had to be changed from the names of white men. So this is how <laughs> deep it is in the armed forces. Yeah. It's insane. They're all completely captured by wokeness yeah. to the point where no one stops and says, why are we doing all this? Yeah, and surely at some point the penny's going to drop. We're spending so much money on like equality, diversity and inclusion departments, so much money on all this pointless legislation and rules and targets that aren't making organisations more profitable, more effective. Uh, the RAF, they're, they're having trouble filling, filling the seats. You know, if China wants to invade, they're, they're going to have an easier job but shooting their planes down. Why is there this assumption that ethnic minority people want to be patronised? I don't think they do. Right. No. I think they want to, they want to, get, to get jobs on, on merit. merit. Exactly. And, they, and, they want to, and they want to be perceived as not getting in on merit, because right. they probably did get on on merit, but now everyone thinks they didn't. Yeah. yeah. Well, they may think that. Anyway, we're going to move on now to uh, Thursday's Guardian, and I bet the people that have spent thousands of pounds on cutting-edge aerodynamic bicycles are really hoping this proposal doesn't come to pass. Nick, what's this about? Yes, yeah, in The Guardian. I'm not much of a bike guy, but it's Grant Shapps bike license plates proposal. A strange and pointless idea. Doesn't sound like Shapps, does it? So, um, in an interview with the Daily Mail that appeared to surprise his own officials, I love, the transport secretary said he absolutely wanted to extend speed limits to cyclists, saying, I see no reasons why cyclists should break the road laws and be able to get away with it. Then he says, that obviously leads to the question of, do you need registration plates? Do you need insurance? That sort of thing. And then later, he actually said that he wasn't into the bureaucracy of registration plates. So, Shaps doesn't even seem to know what the policy yeah, but would be. Why, why yeah. not? Why not? You know, bikes can go very, very fast. They can kill people. They can hurt people. Why shouldn't they be insured? Why shouldn't they have well, registration plates? Why, why not? Maybe. I, to me, it sounded like a sort of politician looking for something to do because they can't solve any of the big problems. But He wanted to get in the papers. Um, I mean, well, it's, it's a better thing to get in the papers uh, for than, uh, than a, a pyramid scheme, which, uh, which you ran <laughs> before. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, Grant Shapps is, oh man, I, 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 wouldn't, let it go. I, wouldn't buy, I wouldn't buy a used fridge off him, never mind give him a cabinet position. But, uh, but he's, he's, got a, he's got a point with this, because the thing with bikes now is uh, you get these electric kits that fit on bikes, or you just get complete electric bikes yeah. that can go super fast. So, so there's essentially a motorbike. Yeah, uh, because it's got got a motor. And I'm it's all a for this. I think have a have a registration. Well, obviously, yeah, so you if they're going to go, gonna say, I would ban them. I'd ban them ban, entirely. Ban bikes. Ban scooters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, because I find them annoying because I'm really bad at driving, so I'm always worried if I have to drive next to a bike. Yeah. yeah. And I think you know if they're on the road, then they should have the same regulations as everyone else, right? Yeah. No? Or is that just me being Andrew petty? Nanny State, Andrew Donald. <laughs> Welcome okay. to Nanny State. That's my new persona. <laughs> Worrying developments on the jailed Leeds University student, Leo. This is not good. So this is, this is really uh, terrifying. There's a, a Saudi woman who's a Leeds student as well. And she was sentenced to 34 years in prison for using, um, for using Twitter. Uh, she posted a mildly critical tweet in response to a Saudi government post about a new public transportation contract. Um, so, you know, not, we're not talking, you know, particularly inflammatory stuff, uh, but she was denounced. She was apparently denounced to Saudi authorities through a crime reporting app 
that users in the kingdom uh, can download to their phones. Uh, it's not it, even come from the authorities. It's come from someone else, a snitch. Someone else, a snitch. They're, they're acting like woke people in the United Kingdom. Wow. Uh, they're, they're snitching on, e on each other. Uh, so uh, the app is called Colonna Am. Uh, or all are safe. Which, uh, wow, uh, that's these, chilling. These things always have this Orwellian uh, type of name. All aren't safe. But the, the app is described uh, as it allows citizens and expatriates to submit security and criminal reports related to personal life attacks, threats, impersonation, extortion, penetration of social media accounts, defamation, fraud, and other criminal offences. So yeah, basically you can grass. If there's somebody you don't like, and this, this happens under all authoritarian always regimes. Always does. You can just grass up. You don't like somebody, just, and this, apparently like a lot of the people who are denounced under the Nazi regime yeah. were just, it was neighbor feuds. And you know, disputes oh, like yeah, that. Oh yeah, there's a there's a very famous BBC documentary called Nazis: A Warning from History, and they interview some of the people who snitched on their neighbours, mm. and they present them with the letters saying, you know, this woman was sent to a concentration camp and died because of what you said. Yeah. And they're looking at like, oh, I don't really remember doing that. <laughs> but it's that's a signal of authoritarianism is that yeah. people start policing themselves, and this is just terrible. But also, I don't understand this because. The, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, he's got a reputation of being more progressive, moving things forward. Doesn't not, it look like, not that's, doesn't no, look like that's happening? Not if you're a journalist who criticises no, no, it exactly. and you get caught up in an it's, embassy. Uh, it's, it's all relative, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, in Saudi Arabia, that just means we let a woman drive once, you know, yeah. once a year. We, yeah. tried, we tried it, yeah. it didn't work out. Yeah, we, <laughs> we give her 30 lashes instead of 50. Yeah, yeah. that's progressive. But, and also what's, uh, what's progressive is now the, the government is using technology to, to Force uh, its its rule uh, in the Arab Spring. So that was like what 10, 15 years ago now. Yep. Ten years ago, um, the protesters used um, used Twitter, used other social media apps to actually organise their protests against the government. Now yeah. the government's flipped it. Welcome back to Headliners with me, Andrew Doyle, and also with Leo Kurse and Nick Dixon. And we're going to crack straight on with this part with Thursday's Metro. And do babies appreciate the arts enough, Nick? They don't. I've always said that. And this is Matt Ford slams parent for bringing crying baby to Edinburgh Fringe Show. They didn't do the decent thing and leave. So I saw this trending the other day. Poor Matt Ford, who's a nice guy. He said, someone brought their baby to my show last night. Sadly, it derailed large parts of it because they wouldn't do the decent thing and just leave when it started crying. I get that it must be tough as a new parent, but please don't bring babies to adult shows. It's always a problem. Someone hit back. On Twitter says, as long as you realise this is incredibly sexist, as young breastfed babies can't be left at home. So number one, don't go if you breast. You, you can stay at home. Number two, yeah. how dare you assume that it's sexist? A man can breastfeed now, and we all know this. So that's just on that tweet. But look, anyone who's done stand-up, which we all have, it's it's a nightmare. You can't have, especially if you have a, a rhythmical, musical sort of nuanced style like me. You can't have. People just, Leo's more of a sort of sledgehammer approach. But yeah, yours is like poetry. It is. I've got punchlines. It, it is. Mine's a sort of music, and you can't have people just babies. Well, look, Even a child in the audience makes you uncomfortable because you're like, how have they got in? They're too young. I've, and then the parent will say, oh, I don't mind. Yeah, well, I do. And sometimes at Edinburgh, which I'm never going to do again, but you put an age limit, I'll put like 14 or 16 or something, So if you, which this would have had an age limit. I think it says it did, 14 plus years. So it's what, really what, rude is what it is. And I, I did a gig recently and it was a big gig. There were sort of a lot, like seven, eight hundred people there and there was a crying baby. And I had to, and I had to deal with it. I had to deal with the, the baby like it was a heckler. Was that trigonometry? It, it, it wasn't. It was the, it, the association the, of babies. It wasn't. It was, well, there, there was one at trigonometry falling off. Oh, was there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I, it winds me up because uh, now look, it's not sexist at all. As Julie Bindle, the feminist, pointed out on Twitter today, she men, said, men this, is about, babies. this is about middle class 
entitlement. Right. That's what it's about, Still right? Still like Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a population crisis and we're not going to encourage people to have babies if they can't go and see Edinburgh Fringe shows. I think what? people who have... A stand-up comedian is pro-babies interrupting. Yeah, I am. I think, you know, if they, if they paid for a ticket, if that, that's an extra 12 quid for me, then yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have money. babies there. I, I think anybody... You, Leo's style is basically shouting. He can shout down any exactly. baby. Exactly, I can, I can deal with a baby. baby. Well, OK, you, you can put the baby down, but the baby won't understand your put-downs. You know, so it's not going to work. down? Well, I, don't, yeah, I don't mean... Well, people, people were giving Jerry Sadowitz, uh, you know, people were criticising Jerry Sadowitz for exposing himself. And I think that's one way comedians can make sure that parents don't bring children in. But if they had, that would have been even worse, wouldn't it? Yeah. It'd have been I, think more that, I think just don't be selfish. If you've got a baby, stay at home. Or go to Leo's show, because he doesn't mind. You I might... don't mind, yeah. Just give right. me money. But there are those gigs where you can have a baby gig. There are people who oh, do yeah. gigs where you can bring your baby. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's yeah. not like, it's baby not like, screenings yeah, it's not like you can't see... You can't see um, a stand-up if you have a baby. There are even relaxed performances of theatre runs and all sorts yeah. of things. So just, you know, be, be, be fair. But also, it's quite amusing, isn't it, that Matt Ford's like the least offensive comedian ever. And now he, no, one's, yeah. no one's free from the cancel culture. <laughs> I don't think he's been cancelled, has he, Nick? This is no. he's cancelled. No. Nope. He'll never work again. <laughs> I think the baby's what I think you think. But he's, he's just <laughs> being criticised on Twitter, which happens to all of us. No. Anyway, on to Thursday's mail. And the three of us collectively breathed a sigh of relief before the show when we read this headline. Yeah, so uh, in 2017, I don't know if you remember, but there was a study that concluded that a microscopic creature with no anus that resembled an angry minion, sounds like Nick Dixon, uh, was the earliest human ancestor. Uh, but they've done new research that found that this spiky, wrinkly sac named Saccharitis Still sounds like Nick Dixon. It's not, in fact, related to humans. Sounds even more like Nick Dixon. Well, look, we have so, a picture so we can judge. Oh, I agree, agree. let's have a look. Well, I mean, actually, there's a... There's a certain... That's Nick Dixon at Pride. There's a certain resemblance. I mean, not a close resemblance. So this, you know, it's more resemblance of, to of attitude, I think. So they thought... Yeah, the spikiness. Yeah, the they spikiness. Thought, they thought the, um, the, the pores around its mouth... Were gills. Were gills. Ah, so that, that would have made it more human. That would have made, meant it was in the deuterostomia animal group from which we emerged. So, you know, we've obviously evolved I wouldn't want to be descended from that, yeah. to but be they, honest. That would make they, me... That would upset me. They changed their mind all the time. They thought it was gills, now it's spines. It just confirms what I've always said. We're made in the image of God, not <laughs> not an angry minion with no quite anus. Quite right, Nick. Quite right. Well, Garden of Eden. I don't know if I'd yeah, say that, so but that, it does show. It, it does show that science is always wrong and it changes. Thank you. And There's then no you know, next next week will no be something else. In the Bible. Then climate change is probably done by the same scientists who got this wrong. Right. We're going to move on uh, now. And who better to talk about this one from Thursday's Mail? And our resident dating expert, big dog Nick Dixon. <laughs> writes this stuff. Uh, I wrote that one. But um, yeah, single women should be dating men 10 years older than them, says controversial relationship coach who claims he has the perfect recipe for scoring a date. This is Jack Maddock. He's a, you'll know him. He's an he's a Australian, I think, relationship expert. Thing is, he's a little bit milk toast on it because I was expecting this to be controversial. But actually, he just says an older man is likely to be less commitment phobic and have a more mature viewpoint. That's why he thinks it works. What I thought he was going to say, and by the way, he, he cites Alec Baldwin as an example because he began dating Hilaria Thomas uh, when he was 53 and she was 27. I, I tend not to follow Alec Baldwin with my life choices in general. <laughs> but the, what he could have said here, which most of the sort of red pill dating advice on YouTube would say, is that actually men are judged by success and wealth, which takes a certain while to accrue. Women are judged on certain levels of attraction and beauty and things that pertain to fertility. And they, so they claim that an older man should be with a young woman because of those sort of more, oh, no, more evolutionary that. psychology aspects. He's just saying, oh, they're more mature. So it's a bit of a, a sort of... I mean, it's almost, it's almost a kind of 
feminist approach. He's saying women mature quicker there. Yes. And that men just need a bit more time to work yeah. themselves out. So I, I think guess. he's right, but for the wrong reasons. I see. But <laughs> it's a bit weird that for his evidence, he is citing all these Hollywood couples and saying that the Hollywood couples that survive yeah. are the ones that have this da- uh, yeah. age gap. Basically describing the yeah. Me Too. It's like, yeah, it's like citing, yeah. <laughs> and it's like citing Bernie Eccleston as a role model. You know what I mean? But And also the, the advice that he gives. It reminds me of uh, Jordan Peterson's advice of, you know, stand up straight, tidy a room. That's good it's advice. Like, it's good advice, but it's obvious advice. Like, you know, courtship, take her on, take her on dates, even during the relationship. Uh, keep making love. I mean, like this is uh, communication. I don't know. I'm uh, like yeah. my uh, my wife is 15 years younger than me, so right. I've got some. But that's because so I'm you're, old. You're within this template. I'm within so this you, template. You should have a very successful. But what were the reasons? Marriage. They weren't what he said, were they? Because I'm old. So if I went out with somebody my age, she'd be old. That's the real reason. That's the, that's the reason. <laughs> okay. Toxic masculinity. Well, yeah. Go people on, should Nick. watch some Kevin Samuels. They should watch some proper. Dating advice, because this guy is a bit soft, basically. He is soft. He's not like the, the Tom Cruise figure from Magnolia. No. That's what I think of when I think <laughs> of the, the sort of dating advice. Anyway, uh, on we go to Thursday's Telegraph. And this one is going to cause a great deal of sorrow amongst bingo halls up and down the land. Leo. Yeah, that's right. And this is, this is the sort of flip side of that. You know, this is uh, older women going with younger men. So the Gambia, which is a, a, a country in the west of Africa, tells UK grandmothers to seek toy boys elsewhere. So the tiny country has become in recent years a magnet for British women of a certain age. They mean old uh, looking for toy boys. This is the and, first I've heard of this. Yeah, no, and it happens in Jamaica as well. So, you get the, so 60-something women are going to more the More than that. More than that. There's loads of them go. And they, <laughs> and they go there to pick up young men. They go, yeah, and they're on the beach. Uh, you see them, well, I haven't been to Gambia myself, but you see them on the beach. You see it in uh, Jamaica as well. There's this, this sort of culture of uh, younger guys. They get, they get looked after by the older women, yeah. obviously. You know what they're called? They're go called on. bumsters. Really? Are they? Yes. Why? Because I, I, I read up on this. Deco. Not sure, but I thought that that alone would be interesting enough. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. They, they go up and down trying to find these women and they're trying to crack down on it now, aren't they? Yeah, they want to get, like, this. they say, which doesn't sound very sex positive. They're saying they don't want these, like, older women coming and, you know, preying Why? on these young women. Because young this men. article talks about how the government's considering introducing laws mm-hmm. to arrest these younger men who are going after these older, or the older women picking up the younger men. Why? Yeah, they're, well, they're, yeah. They're cons- they, think, they think it gives a bad image to their country, but to, yeah, be, but fair, consenting to be fair to the bumsters, they can earn so much more. Yeah. Right than they otherwise could. They can earn a month's I th- wages. I think just let people get on with it. If it's adults who are d- choosing to do this, why is it any of anyone else's business? I think the opposite. Yeah. Ban it. The- <laughs> is that right? Ban every- yes. Because you're so sort of sexually uptight. Yes, that- ban everything. It seems a bit Let's of a shame. The 50s. It seems Carry a on. shame to, to ban it. If they're, yeah. if they're both happy with it, you know, why, why, just let them do it. It's like a the, win-win. The men are getting money, the women are getting... Whatever. Yeah. Enjoy it. Company. Company. That's what Companionship. Company. Thursday Sun now, and we all knew Chris Hemsworth is a talented actor, but I think most of us underestimated his work on evolutionary genetics. Not yes. me, not me, I knew. Nick. You knew, but the Sun has inside plan to bring back extinct Tasmanian tiger, wiped out nearly a century ago with help from Chris Hemsworth. Why did he want to wipe out a tiger? That's the main question I've got there. <laughs> What's he got against them? So this is Chris, that was a little joke. That was, this is Chris and his brothers are trying to revive it using the, the, this company, Colossal Bioscience, can you explain and, this? Because th- these are no. the people who claim that they can de-extinct things. I know, it's a very... They've talked about a woolly mammoth, bringing back they, the they woolly mammoth. They want to bring back the woolly mammoth. It's a dangerous... It's a slippery slope. It's like those rewilding people. Now you bring back a Tasmanian tiger. Before you know it, you've got Jurassic Park. You know what I mean? Yeah. Life yeah, finds a, same, a way. It's the same idea, isn't it? It's the, very much the same idea. The question is, uh, they never think, should they do this? 
That's the Jeff Goldblum line. Isn't yeah, it? life finds a way. But, but I mean, I, I would just, no, no. He says like scientists are obsessed with thinking whether they could. They didn't stop to think whether they, they should. Should, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he but, gets very uptight about it in his in his Jeff Goldblum way. But this thing only went extinct in 1930, so it's not like right. we're bringing something back that's going to disrupt the ecosystem. It's probably disrupted the ecosystem yeah, that it they, doesn't exist. You give them an inch, and then it's a velociraptor in your. Well, yeah, but that'd be right, fun. Imagine that. Actually, Imagine it'd be better than a guide dog, a guard guard dog. Even, yeah. You know, just have a velociraptor. These things are amazing. I think they they are going to do this eventually. But I would like to see things like the dodo brought back, like something yeah. that didn't have the chance. Something yeah. that was wiped out needlessly. Yeah, I wonder you know? what it tastes like. Well, it was wiped <laughs> out for, for food, but also, yeah, the more, these, you know, crazy I things that were on Earth. Dodo wiped out there because it couldn't run away. It was just yeah, waddling. Yeah. Wiped out for a yeah. reason, do you know what I mean? Let's, you know, survival of the fittest, it didn't make it. Do you know I think it'll be also That's rats brutal. and things. They, That's they the introduced, meritocracy we've always wanted. Like cats and rats get introduced to places that haven't had them before and the animals can't, can't, can't deal with having yeah, these. Yeah, I, like, I don't like humanity playing God. I would ban it. Makes me nervous. So mm. I think no. I think no. Uh, on to the release of one of the most pointless recipe books I've ever heard of. This is in Thursday's Mail, Leo. What's this? So this is Curious Medieval Cures, uh, including a treatment for gout that involved baking an owl and then grinding it into a powder. So baking an owl? Baking an owl, yeah. They've got the full recipe in here. So they're going to be shared with the public online by Cambridge University Library. Okay. Uh, so they've got another unusual recipe, which is also intended to tackle gout. I guess gout was a, was a big issue in the medieval times. Instructed, to read, uh, instructed readers to stuff a puppy with snails and sage royal and then roast it over a fire with the rendered fat used to make a salve that you then rubbed on yourself. You know, I, <laughs> okay. I don't think, I mean, this is the Pfizer vaccine of the 14th century. Uh, but yeah, you take an owl, pluck him open, uh, eat him and salt him well and place him in an earthenware pot and put a tile thereon. Place it in a hot oven uh, and bring it out. Look whether the owl is ready to make powder and beat the owl to powder and temper it with boar's grease. I don't think, yeah, I think that was a spell Leo just did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they, they're recommending these as recipes to actually cook. I think they're saying, look, isn't this interesting that in the medieval period, we did this kind of thing, you know? Is that Can't not what's just breaking now? Yeah, how come people look at Jerry Sadowitz and think everything that he says is an explicit instruction and literal, you know, it's something to be taken as literal truth, but this isn't. I think this is going to lead to owls being powdered <laughs> up and down the country. <laughs> I don't think you could powder an owl. You could have like, baked it in an earthenware pot. Is that how it works? And then, you, like, you've you got to want it enough. You, you do. <laughs> I, I, no, not for me, not for me. I'm a vegetarian should, anyway. should turn a few heads. Did they have any good vegetarian oh. recipes? <laughs> Always on this guy. Did you that? Was that a joke? Yeah. Was that one of your puns? Yeah. Oh, because that's, that's actually really good. Yeah. yeah. He, he couldn't give two hoots. Oh, oh. for goodness sake. Before <laughs> Leo drop. does another pun. Can we get a mic just for him to drop? No, I, we've got to move on because I don't want to hear another we don't, pun. We don't have Leo. a Barney. Mrs. Oh. It's not. It's non-stop with you. <laughs> right, Thursday's Guardian now. And uh, this one's about poor memory. And it's from Thursday's Guardian, and it's about poor memory. From Thursday's Guardian, Nick. Nice one. That was good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Stop drinking, keep reading, look after your hearing, and neurologist tips for fighting memory loss and Alzheimer's. And it says, it's quite interesting, um, there's a variety of factors, but it says most of these sins of memory loss are sins of not paying attention. If you're at a party and you're not really listening to someone because you're thinking about some work-related matter, suddenly you find you can't remember their name. And that's why it took me a year to remember Lee's name. And, um, and uh, that which, I, which I'm saying is Leo, was the joke. I got it. Um, it was, we got it's it. Right. It's Nick, all right. We got the no, joke. I like to explain them because not just... everyone gets them. And then when I explain them, then, then they laugh in hindsight. Because, of course, the jokes and they're explained are always funny. Um, yeah. I, that's what Enjoyed I Enjoyed rate track. So um, <laughs> there's like 12 risk factors from smoking to obesity and heavy drinking, getting enough sleep, etc. But, yeah, the, inter well, the most interesting part to me was that you can, some of it is just, is just not focusing. But he's saying you want to keep your 
reading skills because that will help you. And he's saying you want to keep your yeah. hearing because socialising and engaging and things like but that. But he's also saying like not to worry too much. He says that, for instance, if you go into a shop and you've, you've forgotten where you parked the car, it's because you hadn't really focused, focused on it mm. and therefore it's not encoded Whereas, in your brain, right? if you it's find just... your keys in the fridge, that is bad, apparently. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, that would be bad. Probably not good for the keys. Yeah. I mean, this is interesting. What do you think, Leo? Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that he says, uh, advises patients to quit alcohol by 70 at the latest. So alcohol oh, is really? apparently a weak neurotoxin. And as you age, you're, you get fewer neurons. Your, your brain cells or neurons connecting the brain cells die. Yes. And uh, so, you know, if you drink when you're older, it has a more deleterious effect. Oh, really? That's on your a brain. shame because I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to being so old that I may as well just be drunk every night. No, That's so you've got to. I think what he's saying is you've got to smash it up until the age of 70. Is that what he's, saying? he's actually giving that advice? Well, it? that's what I'm drawing from it. Well, and also, you've got to powder an owl. You've got to powder an owl. Maybe they've got a medieval solution to this. But I mean, yeah. look, Alzheimer's is something that everyone fears. The idea of senility in old age, you know. So this is something that is on everyone's mind, isn't yeah. it? And it's you know, and we're not there yet. There's a lot, lot of work to do. Yeah, and it's it's crazy when you see people like uh, like Bruce Willis was uh, diagnosed with oh, Alzheimer's, yeah. and the, de right? the decline can be pretty rapid. Yeah. So I'd forgotten yeah. about that one. Anyway, we should move on. Uh, this one from the Guardian uh, has a degree of smugness about it, Leo. Yeah, so record numbers of British people have left the workforce since the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and this is over fifties. Uh, but the cost uh, of living, which is going up, could be bringing them back in. Um, so there's, they, they speak to Kirsty McCulloch from Surrey. And these are all Guardian readers. Oh, I like so, that. I mean, um, I doubt they did anything particularly <laughs> important. But uh, she, she was made redundant from her management job in international recruitment in 2020. She says, now I'm fun employed. That's, fun employed. She's well, made that as a portmanteau of yeah, uh, fun. I got it. Unemployed. She this is the night like, where we explain everything. She sounds like twice. a zany person to know, just yeah. bonkers and full of energy. So she, so, so, Not a and now the statistic banker. here: seventy-seven percent of adults between the ages of fifty to fifty-nine have left their previous jobs sooner than expected. What I don't understand about this, there was an article about this the other day and we were talking about it on Headliners. Why is it that all of these people since the pandemic who've got used to, you know, working at home and they quite like all of this, and why have they just thought, well, I'll quit now? Don't they need money? Like, <laughs> I understand that during the pandemic we had the furlough scheme. They saved but, so much, some of these people. Yeah. Yeah. We all had nothing. But some of these people were on full pay, 85% pay. They saved money watching Tiger King. They own their house. They had someone else's Netflix password. They own their house already, probably yeah. paid off their boys. And so no, they're independently outrageous. wealthy. Isn't they, yeah. they are. What but, we found out is that... No, but it's a lot. It's 70%. You're right. Like, it's that, that seems... What are they doing? I know, you're right. It, maybe they're just wearing down their savings, like hoping they'll, you know, die or something. <laughs> time. I mean, has the pandemic just made people lazy? They've realised, like... shockingly, that people don't like to work. We've seen... <laughs> they, they don't want to commute. We did one the other day, but they don't want to commute. Right? Yeah, yeah. Now they don't even want to work at all. I mean, the thing is, I do feel sorry for these people. The key is to find work that you love. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, still yeah, exactly. hoping to find. But, um... <laughs> yeah, because I would have thought, like, being... A, I remember you talking about this, though, that being at home, doing that's what everyone, that's everyone's dream. I, yeah. I didn't think so at all. I think a lot... I th assumed people being stuck at home with the kids, with the family, they would be itching to get back to work because this is all going to be winding them up. Somewhere. I don't know. I, when the government stole my car, uh, so I left it parked somewhere, so they decided to steal it because apparently some tax or something on you it. You mean it got expired. towed because it was on a double yellow or something? No, it was uh, like the, the tax expired. But... Leo, Leo so, doesn't, so you... doesn't believe in tax. He thinks taxation is there. Okay. No, but I do. 30, so my, ta my car costs £30 to tax because it's a great car. It's a brand new Audi. Anyway, but, finish the anecdote. Anyway, they, <laughs> they stole it. And when I went to get it back from where they they'd taken it when they stole it, uh, I spoke to the woman behind the counter 
And I was just making chit chat, and I was like, "So, did you enjoy furlough?" And she was like, "Oh, it was amazing!" <laughs> just like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like you know, so people. Yeah, if you're in the, you know some boring job dealing with people whose cars have been stolen by the government, yeah. you're gonna love being able. She said she just loved doing nothing, just sitting on the couch watching TV. What a depressing thought about humanity, though. That that actually, the, we prefer that. But if a lot of people. Given the choice, we'd rather just do. A nothing. lot of people like doing nothing. Secret of the professional class, not that secret, because the Guardian constantly write about it. But it's that certain the professional class, the sort of furlough class, loved it. For mm. other people, it was really hard, and they had to work really hard. Other people lost everything, businesses lost everything, but they just actually loved doing nothing at home. And, and yeah, that's the big divide. It's one of the big divides exposed. But aren't com companies are now sort of encouraging this kind of thing because now they're coming up with schemes to say that people can spend most of their times at home. And most of, I, you know, is it just really reactionary of me to say I think we need to go back to the old ways? You're, no, you're neo-reactionary. <laughs> no, I, th I think it really makes sense to, to work from home. I mean, the whole commute, that whole presenteeism in the office where you just look like you're doing work but you're not really oh, doing anything. No, but you can't. I think it's people a social should be, thing, though, Leo. It's like the, and you can't be as productive at home. Although you can if you do yeah, a you writing can. job. Yeah, you absolutely can. I did a can. copywriting job where I was more productive at home. Well, there and you I got go. Really and you do lose that. Yeah, but not everybody's, not everybody's home, as we? mentally weak as you. Well, that's true. Not everyone can do our, but we can't do our jobs at home, so. Yeah, we can. I do most of my job at home. You could do this at home. Well, not, not this specific, but I make, stand up I, I make videos. I, I, he did do stand up from home. Yeah. He did it over Zoom. Yeah. I don't know. You should work from home. Yeah, you should. You should. <laughs> a lot of people in the should, but most people, people should, shouldn't. You should stay at home. I think we've just got time to squeeze in this story. This is uh, the Daily Star and uh, a novel population control method, Nick. Yeah, we can fit this in because it's more of a, a PSA anyway. If you're in Vancouver, look out for wolves because a pack <laughs> of wolves are on the loose after escaping zoo. Someone cut a hole in the fence deliberately. Probably one of these animal rights nuts or rewilding freaks. But so now these wolves are out, and many of them are still at large. Wolves live in Canada, so this is just like releasing squirrels from London Zoo. <laughs> There's just some extra wolves yeah. about the place. Yeah. yeah, but these are wolves that are used to being in captivity, these so they're full of rage. Right. And they're urban wolves. <laughs> they're, they're probably very scary uh, wolves. But it looks like, like you say, some activists have done this. Oh, yeah. And they actually don't know how many wolves should be there. But it's terrifying. Mm. So look, if you're out there in Vancouver watching the show, watch out for wolves. <laughs> That's our message for tonight. Anyway, thanks for joining me. Thanks to my guests, Leo and Nick. And Headliners is back tomorrow at 11pm, where Josh Howie will be joined by Dane Baptiste and Leo. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring. <laughs>